Last week, we looked at the story of Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, which is written by Charles Wesley. Uh, really uh, an interesting uh, background behind it and a lot of depth to the, to the message of the song. Like, like I said, I think a lot of times we sing these songs, and uh, not all, but some have very deep meanings to it or maybe stories behind it. Um, other songs really are, we would say, kind of light and fluffy, if you want to say that. But nonetheless, they do touch our hearts, uh, especially when we think of this Christmas season. And so, again, what a blessing it is. Now, uh, as we look at this, I invite you to look at Luke chapter 2, and we're going to begin reading in verse 8. If you're able to, I invite you to stand for the reading of the Word of God. Uh, Luke chapter 2, we're going to reading in verse 8. We're going to look at a part of the Christmas story. The Bible says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. A large part of our focus this morning is going to be on verse 14 of what the angel said, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill to men. And today we're going to be looking at the familiar Christmas song and the story behind it, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Now, last night we had a good time here, a fellowship here for our Christmas party. Uh, if, you were, if you weren't able to come, you missed a good one. It was, it was a lot of fun. But one of the games that we did last night, uh, we don't, and we don't take ourselves too seriously, I'll be honest with you, but we played a little game of Christmas Pictionary or, and Gestures. If you didn't want to draw it out, you could act it out. We had a lot of fun doing it. It was all Christmas themed. Brian Mater's not here today, so I'll pick on him anyway. So, <laughs> love Brian. And uh, anyways, he drew a, uh, a card that he was supposed to draw, it, and he tried his best on drawing it out. Does anyone remember what was the card that he picked to draw out? Does anyone remember? Who were here last night? It's in the story. We just read it. The shepherds. Okay, he, he had a hard time. How, do, how would you do it? How, if you had a new Pictionary today, how would you draw out, how would you doodle out a shepherd, you know, for everyone to guess, or even a gesture, how would you act it out, okay? And so I'll be honest with you, that was a tricky one. Of all the ones, I think, uh, John, you had to do eggnog. That's a little tricky one too, okay? He did his best. He did a good job. I understood it, okay? <laughs> but anyway... When we think of this, yeah, so Brian had to draw out a shepherd. How did he do it? And so he tried to draw out little sheep, and, and uh, it became more and more complex as it went along. But we think about the, how the shepherds received the message that glorious night, that Christmas night. And uh, as we look at the story here, and now we kind of come to one part of the story. And so I invite you, you have your Bibles there open to Luke chapter 2. I would like you to, to take your brown hymnal brown hymnal to page 181 okay we kind of did this last week we kind of looked at the the christmas song the christmas carol and then we also are looking at uh the the scriptural account of where it's based off of so we're kind of going to do two things at the same time here 
we'll do our best, okay? So song number 181 in the brown hymnal. The reason why we do the brown hymnal instead of the white one, we sang, the first song we sang today was Hark the Herald Angels Sing. But if you notice in the white hymnal, it only has three verses. But in this hymnal, we have four verses, okay? There's actually several more verses. And did you, I don't know if you know this, but there's a lot of hymns Songs, especially that go back to, you know, two, three hundred years, they actually have several more verses. Like, I'll just give you one that's a little different, but Star Spangled Banner, usually we sing, our national anthem, we only sing one verse. In our hymnal, there's two verses of it, which I absolutely love. But there's actually several more that Francis Scott Key wrote that we just never read or never sing. And so it's interesting, stories about the hymns and all that. But Hark the Herald Angels Sing is one of the most beloved Christmas carols. It is probably we sang it obviously most years we sing this song most churches sing this song but it's also been featured in movies such as it's a wonderful life one that we watch pretty much every year okay with uh, jimmy stewart and then also a charlie brown christmas how many of you like that one okay we're kids at heart okay all right charlie brown christmas they sing hark the herald angels sing as well one thing i love about the charlie brown christmas is who is it now is it linus he stops in the middle of the play and he basically gives the Christmas story from Luke chapter 2 that we just read. I think that's an amazing gift, really, that Charles Schultz had given us, presenting the true meaning of Christmas. Don't forget, folks, the real reason why we have Christmas. Presents and shopping is fun. Having dinner with your family and loved ones is fun. It's a great time to do that. But never forget what Christmas is all about. It's the fact that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. It's all about Jesus Christ. Everything else is secondary. So this is important. This is why we are looking even at the message of the song that we're singing today and the biblical account that it's based from. We're going to kind of dig into that together. But so like I said, this hymn has been featured in It's a Wonderful Life, A Charlie Brown Christmas, maybe others. But uh, it's interesting as you look at here, look at me the first verse of that song. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. The first part of that song. We know it. We probably don't even look at the hymnal. Okay, it's a familiar song to us. But did you know that the words and even the tune that we sing today of the song is not the original? This is not how it was first penned. Interesting. It was in the year 1739, about that year anyway, that Charles Wesley, the brother of John Wesley, wrote this Christmas carol. Okay, it's actually interesting that uh, back in the mid-1600s, Oliver Cromwell became the, the leader, if you will, of England and had outlawed Christmas carols. Outlawed Christmas carols during that time. And so for many years, the writing of Christmas songs was basically forbidden or, if ever, practiced. And so when Charles Wesley was born in the early 1700s, it was still kind of getting back. And so the fact that Charles Wesley wrote Christmas songs kind of right after that is really interesting. And the depth of it is even more important. But when Charles Wesley began to write this song that we know and love very well, the first line of the hymn originally read this way. Hark how all the welkin rings. Glory to the King of Kings. Wow, that'll get you in the Christmas spirit, won't it? <laughs> how, hark how the welkin rings. Have you ever said that word before, welkin? 
No. In fact, uh, there's some commentators that said, I think maybe only Charles Wesley himself even knew what that word meant. Okay, but welkin is an old English word that means the vault of heaven. How all the vault of heaven rings. But it's just hard to sing it that way. Okay, so little, it's interesting. In, it was a few years later, in 1753, that George Whitfield, the famous English preacher, and he was a friend of the Wesleys, he rewrote the first line of the carol to this. Hark, the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. And of course, this is how we sing it today. So it was actually George Whitfield that changed Wesley's words to how we sing it today. Now, Wesley was known for being particular and not having his words changed a whole lot. But because it's George Whitfield, he was a pretty famous preacher and all that, uh, I guess he let it slip by. But nonetheless, interesting, a little bit of twist in the story, so to speak. So concerning the tune, though, let's talk about the tune. Charles Wesley insisted that this song be sung to a slow, somber, and serious religious tune. Could you imagine singing Hark the Herald Angels sing like that to a dirge? Wow. However, we know that that is not the case today. The current tune, if you look at here at the very top, you notice that the composer, the composer lyrics is done by Charles Wesley. The music is done by who? Look at the top of the page there. By who? Felix Mendelssohn, the famous composer. Okay. Uh, so the current tune was actually composed by Felix Mendelssohn, by the way, who was a Jewish believer in Jesus. Um, really interesting story about him personally. But nonetheless, the current tune was composed by Felix Mendelssohn. And the tune that we sing is actually from the second chorus of a cantata that he wrote in 1840 that commemorated Johann Gutenberg and the invention of the printing press. However... Listen, Mendelssohn strictly warned that his composition was only to be used purely in a secular manner, not in a religious manner. So this is interesting, the song, the way this came about. So here's where things changed. In, 19, or excuse me, in 1856, long after Wesley and Mendelssohn had passed away, another person, Dr. William Cummings, ignored both of their wishes and join the lyrics by Wesley with the music of Mendelssohn for the first time. And voila, here is the song that we sing so famously today. So we are singing a song against the author and composer's wishes. Go figure. Merry Christmas. Okay. <laughs> but this is, it's kind of interesting seeing the, the song here. And yeah, it's, it, but nonetheless, the message that we have here today is powerful. If you look, if, I think this, if anything else, this this is one of my personal, this is one of my favorite Christmas carols of all because it really shows on why Jesus came to this earth. Why we celebrate Christmas is clearly evident in this song. Hark the Herald Angels Sing is again taken from this passage we're reading here in Luke chapter 2, uh, how they appear to the shepherds with the good news of, of great tidings of great joy, which will be to all people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. This message uh, and the multitude of angels that came to say, Glory to God the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill to men, is clearly mentioned in reference to this verse. Now we have here in verse 1, Hark the herald angels sing. Again, George Whitfield was the one who changed, who wrote these words himself. But there's nowhere explicitly in the Bible that mentions that the angels sing. Not explicitly. There's some maybe hints other places. But nonetheless, 
We just have them in this passage that they simply said these words. Do angels sing? Maybe, maybe not. It really doesn't matter, okay? Nonetheless, they gave glory to God. That's what counts, okay? Um, as we think about this, what is the message that they bring? It says here again in verse 1 of the song, Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. That is the message of Christmas. The reason why Jesus came to this earth is that God and sinners would be reconciled. Reconciliation to God. How do we, what's our response to that? Joyful all the nations rise. Join the triumph of the skies. With the angelic host proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. And by the way, this little part at the end, this was added years later too by Cummings. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. That wasn't even in the original, okay? But, but again, what a beautiful song we sing today. So I want us to talk a little bit about the song. We'll kind of break it down a little bit. as well. Let's look at the scriptures of the meaning of Christmas of why we are here today. The message that is brought to us brings us to the heart, the song here that we sing, Hark the herald angels sing, brings us to the heart of the angels' proclamation. Again, verse 14, glory to God of the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill to men. It's interesting that, that Charles Wesley, when he wrote the song, he does not go to uh, the uh, Annunciation to Mary. You're with child from Gabriel. He does not go to Bethlehem per se. He does not go to the manger scene. He goes to the grand announcement, kind of in the middle, the, the, uh, the, the moment of, of, of glory, of splendor, if you will. He goes to that very key note of the Christmas story of glory to God in the highest. He goes to that very important part. So this is the heart of the angel's proclamation. But again, what was the message that they brought? Again, look at with me in verse 10. The angel said unto them, unto the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. What is that good tidings? What is the gospel? What is the good news here? Verse 11 sums it up well. For unto you is born this day the city of David, that's Bethlehem, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. One thing I want us to look at here in just a moment is look at here the titles of Jesus. Look at here the titles of Christ in verse 11. It's interesting here that the word, what are the three titles given to us about Jesus here? Who is born? It's a Savior. It is Christ, and he is the Lord. Savior Christ Lord. This is the only time in the Bible that you see these three titles of Jesus put together. It's a very unique uh, presentation. But I want to say, and this is what one commentator highlighted about this, this title highlights the reason why Jesus came to this world. Number one, he's a Savior. That's his mission. Jesus came to save sinners of whom I am chief. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to save a lost world and bring it, redeem sinners to himself. That's his, that's his mission. The title of that he's a savior re, reveals his mission. The title of Christ here is, re, reveals his royalty. The word Christ is basically the, what is Christos or is really the New Testament of Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah. When we think of Messiah, what does that mean? He is really, the Messiah is the anointed one who would sit on the throne of David forever. This is his royalty. He is king of kings. The, this is his uh, royalty, if you will. Jesus Christ. And if you think of this, when the, the wise men came from the east, we don't know if there was three. We don't know how many. We know there's three gifts. 
Okay, that's why we have three gifts. We have three kings. Okay, you know the rest of the story. But nonetheless, what gifts do they bring him? They bring him gifts for really a king. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Okay? All right, when you think about that. And then we have here the title of Lord. This represents his authority. That Jesus is Lord over all. Including those shepherds, including those angels that gave that announcement. He is Lord over the angels. He is Lord over those shepherds. Mary and Joseph, he's Lord over all the earth and he's Lord over you as well. He has authority over us. And we should rest in that, by the way. And the Christmas story is a call to the whole world and to you as well to come and trust and believe in Jesus Christ. And with that, what should our heart's response be? Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill to our men. That should be our heart's desire. So I think that's interesting. These three titles, Savior, or Savior Christ and Lord, represent, really highlight his ministry of his coming to earth. But understand this, that the focus of the song, going back to the song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, this song brings to the heart of the angel's proclamation. It also is a focus of the incarnation. Incarnation is a theological word that you hear sometimes. And what does that mean? It basically means the word becoming flesh. John 1.14 mentions that, that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is the Christmas story right here. It's God, eternal God, becoming flesh, putting in a robe of flesh and dwelling amongst men. The Bible says, especially in the book of Hebrews, that Jesus Christ, He suffered. He endured everything that you and I deal with. He was tempted in all points like as we are, yet, what? Without sin. He is the sinless one, the perfect one. He is the perfect God-man. And he is, yes, God in the flesh, the Word becoming flesh. So this is the focus. This word here is the focus of the incarnation. Pretty amazing. Okay? We also hear, the what's the implications of the, of the incarnation? If Jesus is God in the flesh, what does that mean for you and I? According to John chapter 114, it says this, that we beheld his glory. The glory of the only begotten Father, full of grace and truth. So the fact is this, that when we encounter Jesus Christ, we understand who He is, God of the flesh, one is changed forever by the incarnate Son of God. If you know Jesus Christ personally, your life has been forever changed. And I hope you have that testimony. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ, you do not have that saving assurance of, of being his child, being, being with God. You will never know truly what it means to have peace on earth. I'll be honest with you, the lost can never truly have a Merry Christmas if they don't know the Christ of Christmas. Oh, folks, this is so, this, for a Christian, this season should excite us. The Word becoming flesh and dwelling among us, and we beheld his glory, and that glory changes you. When you understand that. That's the implication of the incarnation. One is changed forever by the incarnate Son of God. And with that, our cry should be, as what Wesley wrote, glory to the newborn king. So as we look at this here, let's look at a little bit of the, the verses here. Look at, again at verse 1 of, of Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Okay, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. When we look at that, I, I, I think what Wesley is pointing here, this is something very interesting. It, it kind of reminds me of Romans chapter 5, verse 10. Let's go ahead and turn there. 
We're going to look just at a couple passages here in the scriptures, kind of highlighting what Wesley is talking about as he's writing here. In Romans chapter 5, in verse 10, this is a very important verse as we look at the reason why Jesus came to this world. Romans 5.10 says this, For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, or haven't been reconciled, we shall have been saved by His life. The reason why Jesus came into the world is not to make bad people good, but to make dead people live. And when we see this here, we see that we are reconciled to God. We're, what's the difference? Before we were saved, folks, we were at war with God. Whether you realize it or not, you were at war with God in our sins. But now that you are saved, guess what? You are on the other side of that war. Now you have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Romans 5 verse 1 says. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What a blessing that is. And that is what Wesley is talking about here. Peace on earth and mercy and mild. How can that happen? It's because God and sinners are reconciled by who? Jesus Christ, the Son, the incarnate Word. So as we think about it, it's interesting that when Wesley wrote this song, it's believed that he wrote the song within the first year or two after he got saved, after his own salvation. And so, in a sense, he's writing his own personal testimony of a sinner reconciled to God. I think that's kind of amazing when you think about it. Look at the testimonies of the writers of these songs. But yes, I believe this is something each and every one of us, I hope you have that experience as well, that you have been reconciled to God. You're no longer at war with God. You're at peace with God. You truly have peace on earth and goodwill or good favor towards men. God's favor is upon you for that. That's the lesson here from verse 1. But guess what? There's more verses. Verse, verse 2. Let's look at verse 2 of Wesley's song. Christ by highest heaven adored. Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. There's the incarnation. Please as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. This is a powerful verse when you think about it, okay? But what is Wesley talking about? What is he referring to here? It says here, Christ by highest heaven door, the everlasting Lord. And then look at the second line, late in time behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb. Of course, we believe that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin, Okay, he came sinless, and he did that fulfilling prophecy. But look with me in Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. In Galatians chapter 4, we're reading verses 4 and 5. And this is what Wesley is talking about here. It says here, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under law, to redeem them that were under law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. We see here that Jesus Christ, he, he came late in time, behold, he come. Basically, at the proper time, at God's appointed time, in the fullness of time, came forth the virgin-born Son of God. That's what it's referring to here. We see here that the essence of that was, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, the incarnate deity. In other words, Jesus is not just a babe, 
He's not just human. Hum- there's some beliefs that uh, you have some groups that believe that Jesus became God at his birth. Some people believe that. Or some even go the other way, that Jesus left his God, Godness, his deity, at birth. No, he was God, fully God. He was man, fully man. Okay? And we see that. He was veiled in the flesh. God had seen. He says, Please as men with men to dwell. Jesus is our Emmanuel. In, John, excuse me, in Matthew chapter 1, when, Jesus, uh, excuse me, when the angel came to Joseph and said, Mary will have a child, and his name will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Emmanuel is good Hebrew, Aramaic word. Im with. Anu, El, El is God. God with us. Okay? I think this is beautiful in saying that. What should our response be? Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Very important as we see this here. Go to verse number three. Hail the heaven-born prince of peace. Hail the son of righteousness. Light and life to all he brings. Risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by. Born that man no more may die. Wow. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. Wow. Again, this is a pot. When we kind of stop and consider what we're singing, and hopefully it's good words, okay? In this case, Wesley does a great job putting this together. But in verse uh, 3 here, Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all brings risen with healing in His wings. What does Wesley pull from that as his, his regard? Look with me back to the book of Malachi. Where's Malachi? If you go to Matthew, go one book back. You're in the Old Testament, the last book of the Old Testament. Malachi chapter 4. This is kind of a, a deeper part that, uh, that Wesley treads water in, if you will, but nonetheless, it's very good. Okay? Again, this talks about the, his, the purpose of his coming. By the way, just as a side note, remember that last week we looked at the song, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, and Wesley focused on really the first coming of Christ and also the expectation of his coming again. Okay? In a way, we kind of see that even here as well. Okay, and so when we see this, look with me in Malachi chapter 4, and let's look at verse 2. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings. He shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. Now, the book of Malachi is an interesting book, the last of the minor prophets here. But it's interesting that in this context here, look back at verse 1, the verse right before it. It says here, For behold, the day cometh, and that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall stubble, shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that shall neither leave root nor branch. In other words, there is going to be a final judgment of the wicked, for sure. When Christ comes, he will judge, okay? He will separate the wheat from the tares. He will do all these things. He will make the, uh, the wrong right. He will be just, Righteous, He will rule with righteous authority on this earth, okay? But for those who are God-fearers, verse 2, God-fearers, those who trust Him, the righteous, if you will, what will they experience? They will experience the Messiah, the Lord, as the Son of Righteousness with healing in His wings. In other words, this is the idea of this. 
As, and there's a couple of different ideas of what this could mean. But nonetheless, uh, the idea is this. As the sun of righteousness arise, the healing is when he's talking about maybe the rays of the sun is kind of an image uh, that some people believe. But nonetheless, what this is referring to is the comfort of God. The Messiah's comfort to those who are his. And this is what we have as well today. That when we look at this, even singing this verse here, is this, that hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace, the Son of Righteousness, light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. And what is the response to that? We are secure in him. That's the idea. We have security in our Lord. By trusting those that fear the Lord, the Lord will protect us. He will comfort us. He will strengthen us according to his might. The last part of that verse, mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die. This is going to his, his mission. Born to raise the sons of earth and to give them second birth. What is this referring to? Look with me over to the book of John. We're going to a couple pa- passages here, but I think it's so important. John chapter 3. Familiar passage, but it's good to look at familiar passages. Okay? John chapter 3. We have uh, Nicodemus, the night with the rabbi. I like to call this passage here, but Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night. And what does Jesus say unto him in verse 3? Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Okay? Or the kingdom of God. So as you think of this here, when it says here, born to raise the sons of earth, and he was born to give them a second birth. This is talking about this is talking about the new birth. And can I tell you this little story? I think this is probably really important right here. I've told this story before, but it's been a while. But back uh, when we were living in Tennessee, we had the museum that we've talked about. I know some of you have been there. But seeing the museum, there was a rabbi, an Orthodox Sephardic rabbi that came by the museum. And I gave him a personal tour for about two and a half hours, talking about the history of Israel and the Jewish people. And of course, we bought the Messiah. Of course, we disagreed on that. He does not believe in Jesus as the Messiah. And I understand his reasons why. But uh, he came at the very end. We had a very good conversation with, uh, rab- uh, with the rabbi, Shlomo is his name. And Shlomo said to me at the very end, and everything was going great actually during this time, but he said this, so tell me, so if I don't believe in Jesus, am I going to hell? Just ask that straight up. Here's an Orthodox rabbi. How would you respond to him? How would you answer that? Now, you might go to the Romans road. You might go to things like that. But from a Jewish perspective, a rabbi's perspective, how would you use the Old Testament to witness? Could you use that? That's interesting. So my mind immediately, I kind of prayed for a moment. Prayed, okay, Lord, how am I going to answer that? But what, what the Lord kind of really impressed upon my heart is what Ezekiel said, that God desires to give them, take out the heart of stone, and replace it with the heart of flesh. You know what that is, folks? That's the new birth. That's exactly what Jesus is telling Nicodemus here. Except a man be born again, having that heart of flesh, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. He thought for a moment, he says, well, I guess I'm going to hell. He's not going to admit that Jesus. Jesus was a a revolutionary. That's about the best he could put it, which I give him credit for. He actually acknowledged Jesus as a real person. But nonetheless, interesting story. But here's the point. Jesus came to this world to give us that second birth. There's an old saying. If you know this, you, uh, you can remember this, okay? You're born once, you die twice. You're born twice, you die once. What does that mean? You're born once physically. If you're without Christ, you will die physically and 
spiritually. That's eternal separation from God. You don't want that. Okay. But what's the other option? You're born twice. Physically. How many of you have a birthday? Everyone's hand should go up. Okay. <laughs> All right. But have you been born spiritually? Have you been born again? Do you remember when Christ changed your life forever? Okay. We're born spiritually. Guess what? We only have to die once, and that's physically. And that's simply from passing through the veil from one world to the next. Thank God for his grace. Okay? Glory to the newborn king. Now we come to the last verse, verse 4. And this is why I turned the brown hymnal, not the white hymnal, because we have the last, the fourth verse. By the way, there's about, I think, three other verses that are not included in our hymnals. And I'll be honest with you, they get very uh, meaty, and they're very hard to sing. And so that's why uh, we only have these verses here. But nonetheless, look at this. Verse number four. And you might remember this from last week. Come, desire of nations, come. Fix in us thy humble home. Rise the woman's conquering seed. Bruise in us the serpent's head. Adam's likeness now efface. Stamp thine image in its place. Second Adam from above. Reinstate us with thy love. Wow, this is another good verse. Again, this song, this verse here is out of most hymnals, including our white hymnal. Okay? Shame on them. But nevertheless, as we look at here, what is this talking about? Come, desire of nations, come. Remember, this was actually one of the reasons why Charles Wesley wrote the song we talked about last week, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. The desire of nations, that's from the book of Haggai, chapter 2, verse 7. Talk about the desire of nations coming, and that one day all the world will basically bow before the Lord. They'll worship him at the temple, okay? But then we kind of f- figure out this. It says here, Rise the woman conquering seed, bruise in us the serpent's head. What is that referring to? We're referring to the book of Genesis chapter 3. I invite you to turn there. This is an important verse to look at, okay? Genesis chapter 3. It's the first book of the Bible, okay? You're getting your, your fingers are getting exercised this morning. That's okay. All right. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. This year what we're looking at is the the curse that uh, God put upon the serpent, okay, uh, here after the fall of man. And this is this verse here, verse 15, is what's commonly referred to as the Proto-Evangelium, which is basically the first gospel, if you will, the first uh, official messianic prophecy. And we see here in verse 15, God says, And I will put enmity between, between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her, and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. And this is what Wesley is referring to here in this passage here, that one day the serpent, the devil, we should find out later on in the Bible who that identity is, but we see here that he will one day be crushed forever. And the idea that we have here, by the way, and maybe, by the way, if you come on uh, Wednesday nights, I'm planning this in uh, Wednesday nights starting next year. We're going to kind of look at some messianic prophecies, including this one. And we'll get into the, the details of this more so. But the idea of bruise here, in, in our English today, it's kind of like, you get a bruise, well, you'll heal from that, okay? It's not a big deal, all right, for most people. But a bruise here, this, has the, um, this is really a mortal wound, this is a crushing effect, okay? And so thou shalt bruise thy head, crush thy head, he shall bruise thy heel. So this is talking about the Satan that our enemy will one day be crushed, and that will be done by the seed of the woman. 
That will be done by the incarnate Son of God. That will be done by Jesus Christ. This is amazing when you think about that. And so this is what this verse is talking about. What's the effect of that? What is going to happen? It says in the end of this, going back to, to Wesley's song, Adam's likeness now effaced. The word efface here, it kind of is an old English word, but it basically means to remove, okay? Adam's likeness now effaced, to, to remove, stamp thine image in its place, to replace Adam's image, our fallen nature, with the image of Christ, the Son of God. Second Adam from above, reinstateth from, with thy love. Who is the second Adam? It's referring to Jesus Christ. Okay, look with me. One more verse, Romans, let's go to Romans chapter 5, okay? Thank you for bearing with me. Romans chapter 5. I think these are just important verses. It's important to highlight as we're looking through. This is some of the theology of Christmas is what we're looking at, okay? But look with me in Romans chapter 5 in verse 19. Romans five nineteen. It says here, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. Who is that one man? Adam. Adam. And because of Adam's fall, we sinned all. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all are, have that. But what's the second part of the verse? So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Who was that one? Jesus. The second Adam. We're talking about Jesus. Okay, here says that shall many be made righteous. And that is what Charles Wesley is writing about here in this song. It says here, Adam's likeness, now we face, get that away, remove that. Stamp thine image, the image of God. What is, what is the goal for a Christian? Is that we become Christ-like. That's the goal, Romans chapter 8, perfect on that. Second Adam from above, reinstate us in thy love. We want that righteousness that only he can give. And this is why... Charles Wesley concludes with this momentous, well, it wasn't him, it was someone else. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. So what is the focus of the song? It's on that song, glory to God in the highest, on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. The focus of the song is that, glory to God in the highest, in the highest heavens. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. What does this mean? Talking about world peace, right? A lot of people want that. You go to any beauty pageant and they always do the interview. What do you want? For most of our life, we want world peace. Everyone wants world peace. But where do we see that? You don't see that. We see that in our community? No. We see what's going on in the world? No. We see what's going on in Ukraine right now? I mean, there's just a dream for peace, if anything. Hopes are shattered left and right. But with God, He gives true peace. But the peace on earth that He gives us is not necessarily a world peace. Now, that will happen at the end when Christ does rule and reign. That will happen. But guess what? Peace can come to your heart today by trusting in Him as your Savior. As we think, this peace and goodwill toward men, this is the idea. The goodwill toward men is really the fact that God has given favor to those who please Him. God in this is ready He's good, and He's infinite and gracious in His favor that He gives towards men. Wouldn't you want to have the favor of God upon your life? Absolutely. And go back to the book of Luke in your mind, or you can turn there, either way. And when we read this account, when the angels come and they give this message of of goodwill towards men or God's favor upon them, who is that message to? To lowly shepherds. 
I tell you what, the, these shepherds, in fact, this was the night. This was like the third shift, okay? This is the lower class, folks. And God's favor is upon the lower class. Guess what? If God gives favor to the lower class who simply uh, fear him and turn him, guess what? There's hope for you. That's the message of Christmas, folks. That there is hope for us through the newborn king of kings. As we think about this, he gives peace to those he has favor. I like what one commentator says this. Let God have all the glory so we may have the peace. That's what it's about. A lot of people, this, too many people strive to have peace on earth and they don't give glory to God. Guess what? The glory of God and the peace on earth go hand in hand together. You cannot have peace with God without the glory of God. God is glorified and any time someone turns to him and trusts him and fears him and obeys him and honors him. But so many people, they're striving to have peace on earth, but they're doing it without giving glory to God. Guess what? You can't have a Merry Christmas doing that way. So here's the point. I like what Adam Clark, the famous commentator, said this. The angels declare that this incarnation shall manifest and promote the glory of God. And I love what he says. Listen carefully. When men and women become reconciled to God through the death of his son, they love one another. They have peace with God, peace in their own consciences, and peace with their neighbors. Goodwill dwells among them, speaks in them, and works by them. You want to have peace with your family over Christmas? I know that I heard from a dear friend back in Tennessee uh, yesterday that their family is just broken. They're trying to have Christmas together. It's, it's going to be rough. There's families like that. We know that. Get along with neighbors or you don't get along with neighbors. Coworkers or you don't get along with coworkers. We're fickle sometimes, aren't we? And, you know, we try to give a semblance of peace on earth. But, you know, let me just challenge you this. Let us strive to have peace with God because he's given us that peace. And that comes from a relationship with him and knowing him. By having peace with God yourself, you can appreciate the depth of the song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. As God has bestowed his favor upon you, you can sing with joy. Hark the Herald Angels Sing, whether they sing or not, but you can sing it. Glory to the newborn king. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal savior, I challenge you, I urge you to know him personally. We can show you from God's true word how you can do that. You can be a sinner saved by grace. What a tremendous truth that is. And if you have done that, folks, rejoice in our great Lord. And sing as we have heard earlier today. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. May he give us peace.